thrilled to see two full families in the congregation that has really lifted up the con congregation. We have many people who are absent that ought to be in church, and some may be home listening to me right now. And your place is in church, really. But I am thrilled to see two full families. I would like to see more because the church consists of families. And therefore, I want to encourage um, those full families that are here to continue to beseech the Lord where he would lead them. And uh, as, as in the Mark's message, I would be speaking on that famous text, Suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not. And there are many of us that are forbidding the children from coming to Christ. So I will speak about that, and you'll be surprised to learn the things that many adults are doing that they shouldn't be doing with children. Let's pray. Our Father, we take nothing for granted. We pray that you will carry us through this evening session without incident, that your word will go forth with, with, with power, and that your people will be edified. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Survey of the book of Numbers. Aaron's rod that budded. In Numbers 17, verses 1 and 2, we read, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and take of every one of them a rod, according to the house of their fathers, of all their princes, according to the house of their fathers, twelve rods, write thou every man's name upon his rod. Now this is our fourth Old Testament book survey from Numbers. The name of the book derives from the first sentence, the first verse, Numbers 1, verse 1, in the wilderness. It's interpreted with the Hebrew word, Bamidabar. Um, it says it's taken basically from the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Hebrew. The book records the 38-year wandering of the children of Israel in the wilderness. Numbers 1 verse 1 says, it was the first day of the second month in the second year after they were come out of the land of Egypt. This meant that two years had already passed and Israel was still in the Sinai region. Most of it was because of rebellion. And sometimes God allow us to stay the same place for a long time until we learn the lesson. And some never learn. Two New Testament books serve as commentaries to the book of Numbers. You can test your skills by determining which two books in the New Testament I'm speaking about. You can test your skills and your knowledge in Scripture, which two New Testament books are commentaries to the book of Numbers. And some of you looking at me bewildered. 
But in case you don't know, 1 Corinthians and the book of Hebrews. So you should read these two New Testament books with the book of Numbers. Studying the Bible is not easy. Sometimes you have to read chapters in the book to get a conclusion from two verses. And many people are not willing to do that because many people are not called to teach the word of God. But if you are called to teach the Bible, you can't be lazy. Whether you be a Sunday school teacher, a preacher, a layman, you have to study to show yourselves approved unto God. So those two books, Hebrews, 1 Corinthians, and I will be referring to these books as I go along. The spiritual lesson in the book of Numbers is the war between the flesh and the spirit. The war between the flesh and the spirit. God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, but Egypt never came out of the people of Israel. The same with the church. We come into the church, but somehow with many people, you can't get the world out of them, no matter how you try. The book of Numbers is very contemporary because of their murmuring. Consequently, a whole generation died in the wilderness. Paul makes a direct application to the church today, saying in 1 Corinthians 10, 5 and 6, but with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. And then he says in verse 6, now these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Two main senses were are recorded in numbers. One, at the beginning of the book, and we can't go through these senses. And the other, at the end of the book of Numbers, in Numbers chapter 26, I'll read that to you, verses 1 and 2. It says, And it came to pass after the plague that the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Eliezer. Aaron had been taken out already. The son of Aaron, the priest, saying, Take the sum or the number of all the congregation of the children of Israel from 20 years old and upward throughout their father's house, all that are able to go to war in Israel. All the children of Israel, 38 years, who were over 20, died in the wilderness. And this new generation God now will educate in warfare. And that's what the Christian life is, being educated in warfare. Not over there in the Middle East. What a shame. These guys, these, these political figures and children, 20 years old and over, um, some of them come back home in a box. It's unfortunate, but I'm not speaking of that kind of warfare. I'm speaking about spiritual warfare. We are trained to fight battles. This evening, we will survey chapter 17, 
by giving, as we always do, a general overview of the chapter. After that, we will give a specific message from the chapter. The chapter records the event where Aaron's rod bore blossoms. It's a miracle. You don't have a rod, a dry stick bearing blossoms. And it really, he's a picture of the Lord Jesus who was called a root out of dry ground. What is the significance of this supernatural phenomenon? And what does it has to do with the gospel and the church today? Well, we shall see. Notice the scripture um, before I get that, let me let me say the, 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 to properly understand Numbers chapter 17, this chapter, we have to read chapter 16. And we have to read the whole chapter if you want to properly understand chapter 17. But I will just highlight you. Korah, Dathan, and Abiram, with 250 princes, decided to challenge God appointed leadership in Israel. This, the 120 plus this prominent family. We read in Numbers 16, 1 through 4, these words. Numbers chapter 16, verses 1 through 4. Now Korah, the son of Izhar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, and Dathan, and Abiram, the son of Eliab, and On, the son of Peleth, sons of Reuben, took men. Now notice how important these people are. I, I hope you, you, you see that they are from the priestly line. Very important. Verse 2, And they rose up before Moses with certain of the children of Israel, two hundred 50 princes of the assembly, famous in the congregation, men of renown. And they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron and said unto them, Ye take too much upon you, seeing all the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Wherefore then, Lift ye up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord. And when Moses heard it, he fell on his face, upon his face. When Moses heard it, he fell upon his face. He prayed. Notice the scripture says that these were renowned men. And it is never the ordinary people that the devil uses to bring down the church. It is always renowned people, those with a measure of responsibility that the devil used to bring down the church in this matter of God-ordained authority. This is a sobering passage of scripture. And it reminds us of what can happen in our church. 
the side end of this revolt was met when Korah, his family, and their goods were swallowed up by the earth right in front of the congregation. It reminds us of Ananias and Sapphira. We read in Numbers chapter 16 again, verses 32 and 33. And the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up and their houses and all the men that appertain unto Korah and all their goods. They and all that appertain to them went down alive into the pit. And the earth closed upon them and they perish from among the congregation. This is sad because this will happen to many seated in the congregation. And we should ponder this very carefully. God made a statement that day, and this must have been a sad day in Israel. And this is the introduction of Numbers chapter 17. Now there were 12 tribes in Israel the Levites were separated to the priesthood and the services of the tabernacle. But some began to challenge the authority that God had set up. Something similar to what was going on in Corinth. That's why I say that you have to read the book of Corinthians carefully. God called upon Moses to take 12 rods from each tribe and write Aaron's name on the rod of Levi, who was he was the head. The rod that bears blossoms would distinguish the servant of God's choice. And this was meant to quiet the rebels because God called them rebels. It's interesting that when Moses called them rebels, God was angry with him. You see, God reserved the right to call his people rebels, not me and you. Let God deal with them himself. The rod that bear these blossoms would distinguish the man of God's choice. Numbers 17, verse 5 reads, And it shall come to pass that the man's rod whom I shall choose shall blossom, and I will make to cease from me the murmurings of the children of Israel, whereby they murmur against you. In the layout of this chapter, we would scan the instructions given to Moses. Second, Moses, the servant of God, um, delivered the instructions. Third, the Lord's perfect will revealed to the congregation. These headings may seem long, but this is what it is. The instructions given to Moses. Verses 1 through 5. We've read that already. We'll read it again. The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel. Take of every one of them a rod according to the house of their fathers, of all their princes according to the house of their fathers. Twelve rods. Write thou every man's name upon his rod. This is verses 1 and 2. Moses was to write the names of twelve prominent men of the tribes of Israel, 
write their names on each man's rod. Only Aaron was identified from the tribe of Levi. Verse 3. And thou shalt write Aaron's name upon the rod of Levi. For one rod shall be for the head of the house of their fathers. You may remember that Aaron's rod was already in use back in Egypt. You may remember that it was Aaron's rod that swallowed up the rods of the magicians in Egypt. You may remember that. God had already stamped his approval on Aaron. Oh, these, these rebels um, had different ideas. There should have been no question here about Aaron's place in the priesthood. But as we know from history, this crowd was cantankerous in the wilderness. The rods were to be placed near the Ark of the Covenant. Verse 4, And thou shalt lay them up in the tabernacle of the congregation before the testimony, where I will meet with you. The holy place of the tabernacle was a sacred place that was to be only accessed by the high priest. You go in there, you will struck dead. And, and see what God did with the rods. He says, I'm going to dare you to challenge me. Come in here. This showed that God, God guarded the process of selection carefully himself with his presence. It was not for man to tamper with. Anyone entering the holy place was struck dead. Here God will visibly decide who he wants to serve him. Why does God got to be so specific? I mean, God gave us the word. And sometimes we do things that is contrary to the word in office. As though one thing men ought to do in office is to read the word. You would save yourself a lot of trouble and a lot of clashes with the pastor. If you read the word. God guarded the process. Verse 5, And it shall come to pass that the man's rod, whom I shall choose, shall blossom. And I will make to cease from me the murmurings of the children of Israel, whereby they murmur against you, Moses and Aaron. Now these were the instructions given. The instructions are always given, of course, to those God placed in authority. And they should share the instructions to the people. Second, we see the instructions followed, 6 through 8. And Moses spake unto the children of Israel, and every one of their princes gave him a rod apiece, for each prince one according to their father's houses, even twelve rods. And the rod of Aaron was among their rods. Now the man Moses um, has to be commended. He's an outstanding, or he was an outstanding leader. You know, Moses had his issues and his problems like any other man. But what made him this way is his obedience. And many people find it hard to follow directives that are given by God, whether the instructions come from man or where. 
Moses followed through on the Lord's command. We're told in the Hebrews commentary, chapter 3, verse 5, and Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. Here we see the Hebrews text come into play, just like the Corinthians that I say is a commentary on the book of Numbers. Moses was faithful because God used him as a figure of Jesus Christ. But Moses is also a picture of a servant of God. We are not called to be popular or to be likable, but to be faithful to God's word. That's what a servant is called to. Verse 7 and 8 goes on, And Moses laid up the rods before the Lord in the tabernacle of witness. And it came to pass that on the morrow, Moses went into the tabernacle of witness. And behold, the rod of Aaron for the house of Levi was buddy and brought forth buds and bloom blossoms and yield almonds. Not only bud, it bore fruit. It not only had leaves, but it had fruit. It not only had the appearance, but the evidence. See where I'm getting. See where I'm going. And you can dot the I's and cross the T's if you're spiritual. So we have covered two heads in the overview of the chapter. Instructions given to Moses. Instructions followed by Moses. Third head, God's will revealed, 9 through 13. That's the layout of what was read. And Moses brought out all the rods from before the Lord unto all the children of Israel. And they look, took every man his rod. There should be no more competition. God spoke loud and clear. Verse 10, And the Lord said unto Moses, Bring Aaron's rod again before the testimony to be kept for a token against the rebels, and thou shalt quite take away their murmurings from me, that they die not. Now Aaron's rod became a permanent fixture in the Holy of Holies. When you read about the items that were there, and Aaron's rod, that buddy, with the manna, by the mercy seat, and Aaron's rod, that buddy. A permanent fixture because of what that rod represents. What a lesson. God called them openly rebels. Don't be a rebel. I beg you, don't be a rebel, especially in the church. Their complaint was not against men, but against the Lord himself. Proverbs 18, verse 18 says, The lot causeth contentions to cease, and parteth between the mighty. The decision is the Lord's. 
here. And you see this loud and clear. Verse 11 and 12, Moses did so. As the Lord commanded him, so did he. And the children of Israel spake unto Moses, saying, Behold, we die, we perish, we all perish. They got the message. Decision was the Lord's. Verse 11 and 12, And Moses did so as the Lord commanded, so did he. Then verse 13 says, Whosoever committeth any, whosoever cometh, sorry, anything near unto the tabernacle of the Lord shall die. Shall we be consumed with dying? They now remember what happened to that crowd that went down in the earth. And sometimes God reminds us of judgments. And today, people do not fear God's judgment at all. They don't. The sacred things of the tabernacle became out of bounds. God's will is revealed here clearly. And this is our survey, as short as it is tonight. But what can we draw from our lesson this evening in the next few minutes? We can learn many important truths from this material, as sobering as it seems. And I will just name three of them. First, from an ecclesiastical perspective, and that is the church is not a democracy. You know what's a democracy? The moment the church becomes a democracy where you and I assume responsibilities on our own, we have ceased to be a church. The Apostle Paul dealt at length with this competitive spirit when ministering to the church at Corinth. He said, for it have been declared unto me of you, brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Contentions are nothing new, especially in any formal gathering. Contentions do not only show up among men, but women can be contentious as well. And the warning to the church is to avoid a spirit of competition and one of superiority. The Apostle Paul said to the church of the Philippi, I beseech you, Dias, to women, and I beseech Synthiki, not Cynthia, Synthiki, that they be of the same mind in the Lord. Apparently there were contentions with women in the church. And I believe that women of officers especially should keep a very low profile. I hear this thing going on in some churches about the pastor's wife is the first lady. Where did people get this worldly, sinful mentality from? There ain't no first lady here. And there ain't no first man here either. 
competition in the church. And some may look at themselves as superior because of some office or some office their spouse hold. No, sir. This competitive spirit gets us nowhere. The Lord more than once had to call his disciples to task with these issues. Jesus called them to himself and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord over them, the political world, and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. You want to be somebody? Scrub the toilets. You want to be somebody? Do the menial things in the church. The moment you find somebody want to do the so-called visible things and shun the menial things, that's the wrong man for the job. It shall not be so among you. The church is not a democracy where members select who they want in places of leadership. We will select the wrong people. The second thing we can learn, and this is the main lesson that I wanted to share. The second thing we can learn, brethren, from this passage, this ugly incident in history, this block in the book that relates to the ecclesiastical perspective is that the Lord is sovereign. He is sovereign. Rods do not bear blossoms. That is scientifically taboo. They must be attached to a tree. But God in his sovereignty can bring something out of nothing and place them in his kingdom. Just look at us here today. It's because God is sovereign. Sovereign up to the day people are wondering how this church, little church, can have an interest in a continent in Africa and support it too. God is sovereign. God can bring a dry stick and it bear blossoms because he's sovereign. We always remember who we are by nature. Only God can do that. We should acknowledge the sovereign hand of God in choosing who he wills. And God had to teach the people in the wilderness this lesson by putting some down in the earth. The second message we may learn from this supernatural event is from a personal, not an ecclesiastical, a personal perspective. Where a practical gospel message is taught to us. And that is the, the true Christian is not distinguished by their affiliation with the church. These were prominent people 
that were murmuring in the church. The true Christian is not distinguished or identified by God because of our affiliation with the church or with people, families in the church, with their priestly duties of service. The true Christian is always distinguished by fruit, fruit, fruit. All the rods of the children of Israel were near to God, near to the ark in his presence. We are near to God, but doesn't this, it doesn't distinguish that we are saved. We are brought near. What other place can we be by next to God? They are rods. Can't get any nearer. The elements we partake in. The hymns. The gospel preach. How much nearer can you get? But the true Christian is distinguished by fruit. We are brought near to God in the tabernacle, yes. But it doesn't mean anything if we are not yielding blossoms. Yeah, rather, if we are not yielding fruit. Blossoms ain't enough. Leaves are not enough. It's just the appearance. It is by their fruit we should know them. You think I was going to talk about a rod bearing blossoms all night? No, I ain't going to talk about that anymore, Charlie. Let's make the sense of the Bible. Let's make the relevance of the Bible. Constant bickering over small matters in the church is an ominous sign and repeating oneself to people, repeating the same thing, repeating the same thing, repeating the same thing. It's very ominous. No fruit. And some of us must be careful when we are being repeated, when things, the same thing is repeated, 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 repeated. God in his mercy, God is showing us a great sign. Twelve rods, one bore fruit. But enough Aaron's rod is believed among many, and I'm one, to be a type of Jesus Christ and the resurrection. And it is a type of us that we would be put into the grave, a dead body, a decayed body. And if we are in Christ, 1 Corinthians 15, Corinthians again, God put in the ground a mere dry stick and he raised up a body in glory. Is your faith in the Lord Jesus? Are you saved? Are you a Christian? This is Numbers. You didn't expect the gospel from Numbers. 
And this is what it is. God in his power is able to raise the dead. We die, Charlie, believing. We die with the hope of the resurrection. That's the Christian. God will make the choice, brethren. Indeed, it's the Lord Jesus that stands alone by himself, not only as the priest, but the risen savior. Rod comes from a dead tree. Jesus Christ was buried and rose again. He is the only high priest that is recognized by God. His priesthood is an unchanging priesthood because he ever lives to make intercession for the saints. The blossoms he bears are those who are regenerated by his grace. He bears fruit every day. I trust that we are a product of the resurrected Savior. I trust so that we are the offspring of the one who died and rose again. He lives forever. Today you and I can demonstrate our legitimacy, not by our status in the church, what position, what office, what duty we engage, but by the fruit we show forth in our lives. You and I full well know that the Levites were a picture of the Lord's people. We know these things, we have heard them many times. We too are called to serve God and not to murmur against who is doing what and who is not doing what. I tell you, Colin, when you go through the Bible, you can find everything that needs to be said. You don't have to be beating around pages in the Bible. Just stick with it. You would find its relevancy and make sure you apply it to the needs of your church. Stop beating around the bush. The Levites, a picture of the Lord's people. We are called to serve, yet they murmur. And God made a statement to stop the murmur. Hebrews 9 tells us that Aaron's rod that bore blossoms was part of the items in the holy place which serve as a shadow of things to come. Aaron's rod remained in the holy place. It is no longer needed there because Christ came. It's done away with. But we have the picture. Christ has established a more perfect tabernacle where we are called to serve with grateful hearts. My thanks I bring. That's the hymn we sung in accordance with.
the message. Brother Presley, it's time to come and conclude. Let's pray. Our Father, pictures, pictures, pictures. But Lord, we are not dealing with pictures. We're dealing with reality now. How are we in the house of God? Help us, O oh Lord, to be thankful for where you have placed us and for what you have given us to do. We pray that we would be like those rods that bear blossoms and that we would be distinguished from the average person in the church, that our lives would be characterized by the fruit of the Spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.